This is Retire at Peace with Gerald G. Ginwright from Mainstream Financial Group. When a part of your financial strategy is out of tune, your long-term goals, your retirement savings, and your legacy can all suffer. With many years of experience in the financial industry, Gerald provides his clients and prospects the information they need regarding Social Security, retirement income planning, wealth management, and much more. Listen in as we address your financial concerns and provide helpful solutions to put you on the path to achieving your retirement goals. And now, here is Retire at Peace with Gerald G. Ginwright. Hello and welcome back to Retire at Peace. This is Gerald G. Ginwright with Mainstream Financial Group. If you would like more information about what you hear during today's show, give us a call at 888-324-0589. And while on my website, click on the radio page and check out our past shows and subscribe to Apple Podcast or Spotify. During today's show, I would like to discuss Medicare in a way I don't think that I have before. The inspiration for today's show comes from a phone call from a client who's also a regular listener of our show. She called me one afternoon and said, I appreciate your shows on Medicare, and you do a pretty good job on telling us what Medicare is, and you also tell us often about the ways the program is in trouble. But why don't you do a show on some of the ideas for things that could actually preserve Medicare for the long term. And you know what? I thought to myself, now that's a great idea. After a little research, I found an outstanding Kiplinger article, Five Fixes That Could Help Save Medicare, that has really eye-opening insights. Let's start with some of the basics. For many years now, we have all seen plenty of news stories that have glaring headlines declaring that Medicare is in big trouble thanks to subpar funding and increasing cost. As it currently stands, by 2026, Medicare's trust fund for Part A could run dry. Recall that Part A covers inpatient care at both hospitals and skilled nursing facilities. Part A is funded mainly through a 2.9% payroll tax, with employers and employees both kicking in 1.45%, with high-income earners contributing more. The Congressional Budget Office projects that another $516 billion is needed to cover the program's potential shortfall between 2026 and 2031. Without any action, Medicare has enough revenue to cover about 91% of Part A costs beginning in 2026. Medicare Parts B and D, which cover things like visits to the doctor and prescriptions respectively, are funded through beneficiary premiums and tax revenue. There is some good news and some bad news here. The good news is that Parts B and D are currently well-funded because their spending is tied to expected yearly expenses. The bad news, however, is that current adequate funding doesn't necessarily mean that Parts B and D are on solid economic footing. 
Part B, expenses are rising higher than those of Part A and are even outpacing the overall economy. As I've talked about on previous shows, and the article also makes clear, eventually, Congress will need to address Medicare, and in my opinion, address it they will, because the program is nothing short of essential for millions of Americans. The only question is how they'll address it. While some members of Congress have advocated for lowering the age to 60 for non-financial policy reasons that we won't get into right now, the fact of the matter is that lowering the age wouldn't help the program's finances. In fact, the article argues that because of the changing demographics, there may be, well, no choice but to raise the eligibility age sooner than later. When Medicare became law in 1965, a 65-year-old man was expected to live another 13 years, and a 65-year-old woman was expected to live an average of about 16 more years. Today, those numbers have jumped to 18 years for men and 20 years for women. And at the same time, there are currently fewer workers contributing to the taxes that support the beneficiaries. In 1966, 4.6 workers supported one enrollee. And in 2030, it's expected that 2.3 workers will support one enrollee. First, the pros. Increasing the eligibility age may go down easier than you think because something similar has happened before. In 1983, Congress increased the full retirement age for Social Security from 65 to 67 spread out over a 22-year window that began in 2000. And the Congressional Budget Office predicts that increasing Medicare's eligibility age would slash billions from the federal deficit. The cons are probably pretty obvious. First, employers and younger seniors would have to pay for their health care that Medicare previously covered. And expense that would likely be in the millions each year, according to Kiplinger. Raising the actual eligibility age would also drive up the out-of-pocket costs for people already on Medicare. Why? Because people first coming into Medicare are younger and healthier than older recipients. But if the eligibility age go up, it would mean a pool made up of more older and sicker people. It's also possible that an older Medicare eligible age would leave some people uninsured. According to the Congressional Budget Office, if an older eligible age had been implemented in say 2020, by about 2026, 3.7 million of the people affected by the change, about 5%, would be uninsured. The article next offers up earmarking revenue from an existing tax as a way to potentially make Medicare more viable in the decades to come. Congress would use the unearned income 
Medicare contribution tax, which is known as the net investment tax to directly fund Medicare. The tax was established in 2010 to help pay for the Affordable Care Act, but the money currently goes into the general fund. The biggest pro for this one is simply that it may be easier for Congress to live with it. The tax currently hits higher earners, $200,000 for single filers and $250,000 for joint filers. The 3.8% tax is levied on investment income like dividends. The cons here, according to critics, is that it would do little more than shuffle money around without truly addressing how to make Medicare sustainable into the future. Because unless healthcare's cost are addressed, premiums will continue to go up. Medicare Advantage or Part C is money paid to private insurers and medical providers. This program isn't funded separately. It's supported by money from Part A, B, and D. Medicare pays Advantage plans a fixed amount for each enrollee. Some experts, according to the article, argue that the government overpays for Medicare Advantage. One proposal would be to set the Medicare Advantage payments aside for the bid with a second lowest cost. Doing so may foster competition among insurance companies. The biggest potential drawback here is that insurance companies are likely to fight tooth and nail to get Congress to stand down. The article also has something to say about negotiating prescription drug prices, which is something that spurs a fair amount of conversation. As many of you likely know, current law bars Medicare from negotiating drug prices. The proposed Build Back Better Act, which is still sitting in Congress, would allow Medicare to negotiate prices for a small group of high-cost drugs beginning in 2025 for Part B and in 2027 also for Part B. While the Build Back Better Act would include negotiating for some 10 drugs at first, that number would jump to 20 in 2028 and beyond. The negotiated drugs would be chosen from a pool of about 50 treatments with the highest cost spending for each program, which the Congressional Budget Office says would lead to nearly $79 billion in Medicare savings over 10 years. First, negotiating drug prices doesn't do anything to aid Part A because inpatient care providers are reimbursed for a procedure's entire cost, not each individual service. Additionally, negotiating drug prices likely wouldn't cut the cost of some of the most expensive treatments, which are often recently approved drugs. For example, Medicare wouldn't be able to negotiate the roughly $28,000 per patient's annual costs for a certain Alzheimer's treatment the Federal Drug Administration approved in 2020. Under the proposed legislation, 
New treatments are exempt from negotiation for between 9 to 13 years, depending on what type of medicine it is. Lots to take in on today's show. Plan well and retire at peace. If you've enjoyed today's show, visit us at retiredpeacepodcast.com and click on my radio page. Also, be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcast or Spotify. And finally, if you want more information about what we discussed today, give us a call at 888-324-0589. Thanks for listening. And until next week, this is Gerald G. Thank you for listening to Retire at Peace. Don't pay too much for taxes or retire without a sound retirement plan. For more information, please contact Gerald G. Ginwright at Mainstream Financial Group. Call 205-324-0589 or visit him online at retireatpeacepodcast.com. Gerald Ginwright and Mainstream Financial Group are not affiliated with or endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any other government agency. All matters discussed on the show are for informational purposes only. Each individual situation may vary and the opinions expressed here may not apply to everyone. Materials presented are believed to be from reliable sources and no representations can be made as to its accuracy. All ideas and information should be discussed in detail with one of our qualified representatives prior to implementation.